Hi, everyone. Uh, here we are for another weekly recap with uh, the Defiant print team. Uh, thank you all for joining us. Um, once again, it was a wild week for crypto, and we're here to cover all the ups and downs. Um, so uh, some of the biggest news were uh, the New York Attorney General calling ETH a security, um, and uh, Silvergate uh, being shut down and dragging uh, all of the banking industry down. There's uh, today uh, uh, news and concerns about um, Silicon Valley Bank. So, uh, you know, TradFi uh, also uh, running into uh, the, the same type of bank grants that we saw in CFI uh, earlier, uh, or I guess last year. Um, no YYC today, somebody's asking. No, yeah, uh, sadly, uh, he won't be able to join us today. Um, he uh, was traveling and uh, now, yeah, like with travels and getting back, he, he wasn't able to, to make it. Uh, but next week he will join us for sure. So uh, you need to come back next week as well. Um, so yeah, let's, let's get started, uh, I guess. Yeah, let's start with... Um, um, ETH being a security, uh, potentially. Uh, uh, Alex, do you want to go through that, uh, through the latest on that? Yeah, so the um, this came out in a lawsuit filed by the New York Attorney General, another enforcement action, and this one was against, um, which company was this against? KuCoin. So in, in the state of New York, um, any crypto exchange has to be licensed with the state. It's called a bit license. It's uh, it's the reason that I, as a New Yorker, have far fewer options than most other Americans in choosing which crypto exchange I can use to buy and sell cryptocurrencies. Um, KuCoin is apparently not registered in the state, but uh, folks with the attorney general's office were able to, you know, from New York, to buy and sell crypto using KuCoin. So. It was, um, in their words, operating illegally here. Now, the thing, and, and this is, they, they've brought similar enforcement actions to other crypto exchanges in the past. Um, that's not really the big deal here. In the lawsuit, they say separately uh, that KuCoin actually isn't even an exchange. It's a securities broker dealer. And they know that because on the KuCoin platform, you're able to buy and sell securities such as luna ust and ether um hmm. now the the logic behind classifying ether as a security it's if you read through the lawsuit um they're going by the waldstein test so you may have heard of the howey test which i suppose is the federal version of the waldstein test uh but it uh the new york's highest court held uh in a case going back to I don't know, 1986 or something, any form of instrument that used for the purpose of financing and promoting enterprises and which is designed for investment is a security. And so in the lawsuit, the New York Attorney General's office argues that ETH satisfies this test, that its ICO was used to raise funds to develop the Ethereum network, that Vitalik and the Ethereum Foundation retained large positions of ETH that they continue to use to fund ETH's development, ETH was also designated as an investment. It, conti it continues to be referred to as an investment on Ethereum Foundation's website. And ETH is used to generate staking rewards for investors. And 
Furthermore, it's used to pro uh, promote the Ethereum enterprise because ETH is needed to process any transactions on the Ethereum network. So that's that's the argument that they make for why it's considered a security. Now, this isn't the final say on this issue, obviously. I mean, at the end of the day, like, you know, the, the former SEC chair said that it wasn't. The current SEC chair says that it does. The uh, CFTC chair says that it isn't. It's like, hmm. until Congress weighs in on this, it's just one yeah. more opinion. It's just another opinion. So, yeah. uh, but I mean, obviously this had a huge impact on the markets. Um, I checked this morning and Bitcoin and Ether were down almost 10% each. I mean, Ether's back to trading around mid 1300s. It had been around 1600 over the past several weeks. So, um, you know, it's, it, it's just a narrow, another shot at, at the industry yeah. from one of the more aggressive regulators in the country. I mean, New York attorney general's office is right behind the sec in terms of enforcement actions that it's been bringing. And when you say, so, so it's under Congress's purview to determine whether ETH is a security. Is that, is that how it works? I mean, I know Congress has, it's like the ball. I was talking to people at ETH Denver and the ball is in Congress's court in terms of providing clarity about crypto regulation, but are they also the ones that determine ETH's classification as a security or not? I mean, like, not exactly. So the yeah. SEC will say the law is clear. The SEC yeah. says, we, are, we already know, but you mm -hmm. don't even need to go wondering. You know, they're all securities except for Bitcoin, according to Gary Gensler. So, mm -hmm. um, but but again, that's, that's an opinion. That's not exactly binding, right? So like he right, can bring an right. enforcement action alleging that somebody is, you know, violating securities laws because... You know, they did X, Y, and Z with a certain token, and that token is a security in their view. Uh, but then, mm -hmm. you know, the whoever is getting sued can either roll over and just kind of pay the fine or, or whatever right. it is that the SEC wants from them, or they can fight back. And that's exactly what's happening with Ripple, right? right so, right. so when the courts weigh in on that case, assuming that neither side settles. When the courts weigh in, that'll actually give a that lot of clarity on that issue. Now, gotcha. now, whether that settles it for every other cryptocurrency out there is another question, right? Mm -hmm. Like the ruling on that case could be narrow enough that, you know, you, everybody else is still kind of left in limbo. But that's yeah. like everybody's eyes are on that one because that that's going to go a lot further than, you know, whatever agency head saying you know i've got opinion on this gotcha gotcha yeah i mean i, I i'm uh, i'm kind of speed running my understanding of the legal system as uh, crypto endures pressure from it so uh yeah I'm, I'm just trying to understand yeah but i but i do understand that law is a kind of a living breathing developing thing and so if there's precedent to call uh asset like xrp a security i suppose that makes it easier to call ether one if that's determined cool. in court Right. And and like part of the issue is that the SEC isn't just coming out and saying like clearly, you know, Gensler is saying, you know, like, I think, you know, if you really look at it, all the ones besides Bitcoin are probably secure. But that's that's not the same as the SEC kind of, you know, putting in writing, you know, he, here's officially what we think about all the cryptocurrencies. You know, mm -hmm. it's it's that's the complaint from the industry is that yeah. every every whatever it happens to think about crypto is coming out piecemeal one lawsuit at a time 
and that's you know it's yeah. like okay well you sued them what does that mean about my you know project or token totally go for it Kami. all right no it just seems like both the sec and um in in this in this case the new york uh, attorney general are you know pinning their argument on whether they're there's the expectation of profit from the work of others. So that's the, how we test. And it, it looks like this is the same bar that this other test is looking at. Um, I don't know, like for me, maybe, I mean, it definitely was the case at, uh, you know, back in 2015 uh, when Ethereum was, you know, a, a much smaller project and it really did depend on uh, Vitalik and Gavin Wood and just like a few other, um, a few others developing the protocol. But I think it's really hard to make that argument now. Uh, I think I don't know. It's um, I would I would guess if they really did take this to kind of the highest courts and, and argued, uh, it, like the Ethereum community would have a really strong argument that. Right now, uh, Ethereum is sufficiently decentralized. Like it, I really do believe it shouldn't be considered a security under those parameters. Like it's not like there's a company running Ethereum protocol or even a, a, a small group of developers. It really is this, you know, just you know, global community that's running uh, Ethereum nodes and writing code and um, and then you know. Uh, validators have to uh, implement the code that others are, are are writing so it's you know it, it is a decentralized global uh, protocol so yeah um, I think it's hard to make that argument now like maybe you could have made it at the very you know early days of ethereum yeah I, I think that is like the hard the hard thing too is that is is basically what you said it's like it's like what do you do in the interim like how do you i don't from my understanding there's no kind of structure to, which like legal structure which accounts for this kind of progressive decentralization that these networks go through you know where it's like um i don't know how do you how do you account for that progression because if it looks like a security initially and then becomes less like one like if someone buys eth now it's maybe less like they're buying a security. Like, how do you, how do you account for that legally and allow these systems to emerge? Yeah. Like, what, what, what is the official definition of decentralized? Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. That's like, that's <laughs> like, I, I yeah. don't, I don't know quite how I would define that word. You know, I can yeah. talk about yeah. it in theory, but where does, where does something cross the line? Yeah. Yeah, totally. And yeah, I mean, we could, we could talk, I think like the centrifuge guys did like a traditional equity round, but they've now moved into, like they said they're pretty fully decentralized. So, I mean, I think there's, there's a lot, I mean, it's just so, I mean, like you said, it's so messy and like understanding what decentralization means is like very complex issue. Um, and obviously crypto has its own kind of issues with governance and, and establishing solid governance, um, which is really decentralized. So, yeah and here like like you were saying before alex uh, how how the market has reacted to to the news uh, so we're seeing here uh, on the defiant terminal which is accessible to uh paid subscribers of the defiant um how eth has really plunged on the news from about uh, 1500 to 14 
hundred. Um, and here we have this chart comparing Bitcoin and ETH versus the S&P 500. And the other, you know, ETH, ETH is down 10%. Bitcoin is down more, uh, curiously, 12%, uh, compared to a, a less than 2% drop by the S&P. So definitely crypto underperforming, um, likely on, on at least in part, on, on these news. Uh, so, um, so what what's next with uh, with this story? Um, like, uh, is it you know just do we take it as okay? Like, here's one opinion that ETH is a security, uh, but can exchanges just keep running? Uh, and I don't know. Like, what are the practical implications of this? It's not clear to me that there are any just yet. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, Coinbase, for example, will, uh, you know, say every chance it gets, we don't sell securities, mm -hmm. you know, like whatever securities, right? I mean, that doesn't have anything to do with us. We don't have any securities in our platform. Um, you know, uh, I'm not aware of anybody having trouble today on Coinbase buying or selling ETH. So, you know, clearly the, the exchanges don't think like, Oh, well, the attorney general said it's a security. We've got to really be careful about right. about ETH now. So um, now in the short term, uh, it doesn't seem to have any practical effect. Um, and, and even if the New York attorney general's office was to succeed in this lawsuit, I mean, what it's seeking in this lawsuit is for KuCoin to stop operating in New York and for the company to use I forget what the technology is called, but essentially to, to make sure that its website and its app aren't available to people access, accessing the web from the state of New York. So, mm -hmm. it, you know, that, that's that's the the goal of the New York Attorney General's lawsuit, right? It's not like if they win, then exchanges have to remove these from their platform because it's a security. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, it's not the, actually the focal point of the of the lawsuit at all. Anyways, no. they're not like going after like yeah. the Ethereum Foundation or something. Right. No, but but it is notable that, the, I mean, you know, they, they go out of their way in the press release about this lawsuit to mention that it's one of, if not the first lawsuit to to proclaim that Ether is a security hmm. um, or lawsuit from a regulatory agency, at least. Um, yeah. So, you know, they, 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 they know that. Yeah. Yeah. They know that what they're doing is a big deal. Um, yeah. Yeah. But. Well, yeah, I mean. Someone, all right, Cammy, my bad. Uh, just, no, go ahead. Okay, just like, yeah, I did see uh, a, a defiant alum, Brady Dale, just saying like, maybe the AG is trying to get in on the next uh, administration and, you know, which the administration I think came down this week also with a proposed 30% tax on minors. Um, mm -hmm. So I think there may be like a, I, I'm not super familiar with how kind of politicking works from administration to administration, but there may be, I don't want to be speculative, but there, there, there may be some positioning in terms of, oh, I took a hard line on E, um, just like you, um, kind of thing. Right, so, right. Okay. Yeah, that, that could be. Um, but yeah, it, I mean, I think the practically right now, Qcoin is the, the only kind of real affected party. Um, mm -hmm. And I think, yeah, it's, they, they, the bottom line is they didn't have, um, they, they weren't registered to operate in New York. Mm -hmm. And 
that's not the case with, with Coinbase or Gemini or kind of the major exchanges in the US. So, um, so in kind of in that sense, the practical impact other than for Qcoin isn't that, that big. Uh, so yeah, I guess, you know, markets reacted um, very, very dramatically, but I don't see, yeah, like the, the real kind of, I, I don't see that the impact is, is as big as the market is, is showing, I guess. Um, so we'll see, we'll see what, uh, what, what, what happens next uh, and whether, you know, uh, exchanges can, can fight uh, these rulings and to get more clarity around uh, where we stand with Ether. But once more, you know, we're stuck in this kind of maze of uh, regulators and agencies in the US and they each have a different opinion and a different way about uh, regulating this industry. And it makes things really hard uh, for people uh, dealing in this space. Um, all right, so let's uh, let's go to the next big story of uh, of the week, um, which is uh, what's happening with Silvergate. Um, so we covered this story last week, um, and we're about to put out a, a follow up now, but um, still worth uh, going over it. Uh, it is kind of the big news. So. Hey, Alex, uh, you you're covering kind of the 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 latest on that. We're we, we're we're putting out your story today. Um, so what what happened here? So there was a run on Silvergate's deposits. Um, something that's worth noting is that Silvergate was able to close in an orderly fashion. Uh, you know, it's not like uh, like they're on an FTX deposits where, you know, FTX couldn't meet customer withdrawals because it just didn't have the money. Um, Silvergate actually was, it's spoken to a, to a, a, a professor who uh, is an expert in the banking industry a couple of weeks ago, actually, when I was looking into some of this stuff and she mentioned that Silvergate was made to hold more liquid assets than banks typically do because of its exposure to the crypto industry. So instead of, um, a lot of uh, its assets being in in loans, uh, they're actually in cash and easy to sell securities. So when there was a run on the deposits, it was e easy for them to either, you know, just give the cash to, to the customers who are withdrawing or to convert their securities into cash and, and sell those off. So um, what could have been worse uh, had their deposits or had, had Silvergate's money been held in something that's, that's less liquid um, is actually a kind of, it's, it's like a, a collapse that, that won't really end up hurting people, at least in the immediate term. Um, what, what will happen though, is that crypto is going to be left without its primary banking partner. Um, so there are two major banks that have serviced crypto Silvergate, and uh, Signature Bank. Um, when issues at Silvergate came up last week, you know, I did put out a, a financial statement, which basically said uh, everything that's happened since FTX leaves us unsure whether we're going to be able to continue to exist. We are less than well capitalized, I think was the phrase. Um, 
a lot of crypto companies, Coinbase being one of them, severed ties with with Silvergate out of you know fear that exactly this would, would happen shortly thereafter. So um, the crypto industry now, you know, the, the the bigger players have moved what they held at Silvergate over to Signature, um, but then they, they don't have too many other options, and and that's kind of what I've been looking into over the past day. Um, so when FTX filed for bankruptcy, um, in one of their documents, they listed their banking partners. Um, and those include some big names, JP Morgan, Bank of America, um, others that are much smaller. Folks might've heard of Moonstone Bank. That's actually a small community bank that serviced farmers out in somewhere on the West Coast, if I remember correctly. And um, basically it rebranded itself to Moonstone so that it could better service FTX and kind of changed up its business model. Um, Silicon Valley Bank was one of them. Um, that's, if anybody's seen the headlines today, Silicon Valley Bank is also having a lot of trouble right now, uh, although that's not related to the crypto industry, to be clear. Um, but I, I was speaking to somebody who uh, didn't want their their name in the paper, so to speak, but they, uh, they're kind of close to all of this. And, and they were of the opinion that, um, you know, the, the bigger players that have a lot of money, they're not going to have too much trouble getting banked and, and finding partners. It's really the smaller ones that, um, that, that might not be able to survive as, as their options for just, you know, processing payments and, and all that start to dwindle. Um, but that's, I mean, that's really the latest with, with Silvergate. So can you, um, can you clarify what prompted the, the bank run? Like, why were there concerns about its, its balance sheet? Well, FTX was one of its largest customers, right? So after everything happened at FTX and the general kind of fear over the crypto industry, um, I think it, it took a big financial hit from that. Mm. And when it revealed last week that it was, you know, you, you, you don't, somebody had said online, you never want to see a bank say that it's less than well capitalized, right? Mm -hmm. That's, that's really not good for a bank. So when Silvergate had, uh, had, had said that last week and said, you know, we're trying to figure out right now whether we're going to be able to continue operating, everybody's like, oh, like, you know, okay, we got to get our money out of this before it actually goes belly it's up. Like, um, it's like a self-fulfilling prophecy when, whenever there's concern about um, a bank being going under, everyone will take out their, their deposits and then the bank will effectively go under. So um, exactly. when there's a crisis of confidence in, in a bank, it's just very hard to, to gain it back. Yeah. And it's why we're seeing just like the entire banking financial industry sector in in the equity market being so affected here i was looking at the trending tickers on yahoo finance and so it looks like silicon valley bank stock um the the next kind of uh, bank that uh, is, is having issues there's this um statement today that it's it's effectively being uh, shut down um and there's this other bank that's uh, uh, securing uh, insured deposits so 
uh, you know, and, and so the, the stock, Silicon Valley Bank stock was halted in pre-trading today, um, but it was down uh, 60% in after hours trading, it looks like. Um, so that's halted. That's why you don't see change today. But then, um, yeah, like the, the, the biggest uh, moves down in the equity market are, are banks. So First Republic Bank, um, SoFi is like a, a fintech, um, and then Signature Bank, which you mentioned uh, down uh, 20, 23%. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, it's just like sending ripples all through this industry, uh, yeah. especially kind of concerns about the smaller banks, not, not having the assets to meet, uh, to meet deposits. Yeah. And <clears throat> I mean, big context that I saw kind of circulating on Twitter is that like banks are, from my understanding, they have a lot of bonds on hand and those bonds have become significantly less valuable as rates have hiked like super fast over the past mm -hmm. year. So like, whereas they could typically sell those securities and, and meet uh, withdrawals, like now they're under, they're massively underwater on all those bonds. So it's, so, I mean, that, I think that's particularly what's exacerbating this problem is that like the context of the rate hikes and that these, these banks are, um, I mean, holding just much less valuable assets. Um, so, uh, yeah, I don't know. I just think mm -hmm. that's, that's a important additional context. For sure. Yeah. And, you know, for crypto, it matters because it's kind of these smaller banks who, who are, who, who maybe took on riskier uh, positions. The ones that usually, you know, bank crypto. So um, you you get into this this problem where uh, you have less options as a crypto company um, to bridge over over to fiat. Uh, so we'll yeah, see. yeah, because yeah, I mean, I think I mean, yeah, it's like I think Silicon Valley. Yeah, whatever. I think we already went over this, but I think like Union Square, which has Ventures, which is a VC firm, which is invested in Coinbase and a bunch of other crypto companies. Like they're advising their portfolio companies their money from silicon valley bank so mm -hmm. there is like i think there's i don't know people are calling silicon valley bank like crypto friendly i'm not sure the exact connections to crypto projects but um it was i mean it was one of the banks that serviced ftx so really you know, it, had, yeah. it had some connection to the industry but you know if, if whether that's a substantial portion of its you know customer base it's not really clear to me i i haven't seen anybody suggest that the story of uh, silicon valley banks issues is a is a crypto story really. right fair enough yeah it's like a tech story maybe better characterized as that yeah but i i would guess you know they they they, they did have a, I, I don't know it, it i don't know how many but they they do bank uh, startups uh yeah. in tech and so you know you can you can assume that a portion of those will be uh, crypto companies. Totally. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, just like anecdotally, uh, investors in in the defined were also reaching out, being like, "You need to take your money out of SVB." So yeah. everyone's kind of yeah, this is kind of the, the next bank that uh, people are are worried. Well, I mean, worried about and yeah, and and this morning they, they there's this statement that it shut down. Um, so 
it's 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 crazy it's like the, the same kind of thing we saw with CFI last year happening in traditional uh, banks like you would assume holding treasuries is is a safe bet um yeah but. so um let's move on to the next story uh, we have um well this was this happened earlier in the week and you know i started off saying that it was a week of ups and downs um and uh, we had a gbtc gbtc shares jump earlier this week uh, on on this hearing um and uh, the you know the idea is that there was this this hearing on um GBTC arguing why it should uh, be, an, be an ETF. Uh, and it looks like the judges were uh, at some point kind of were favorable to this, uh, to this decision um, or, or to their arguments. So uh, that was seen as, as a good sign by the market. Uh, Alex, you covered this story. Yeah, so for folks who don't know, GBTC is, you know, it's it's like a way for institutional money to get into Bitcoin, right? It's a it's a trust. You can trade in your Bitcoin, and in return, you get uh, shares of the Grayscale Bitcoin Trust that you can then trade separately. And and those shares are, you know, they're backed by Bitcoin, so they kind of they represent Bitcoin. Um, and it, it's it's yeah, a way for institutions to get exposure. Um, and, and for most of its history, GBTC shares have been trading at a premium to the underlying Bitcoin. So they were worth more than the Bitcoin that they represented. And that was because they were the only game in town. The price kept going up. It was kind of a bubble. Uh, but that popped when other competitors entered the scene. Now, investing in, in GBTC, trading in that Bitcoin in exchange for shares is kind of like staking ethereum today right it's a one-way street once the bitcoin has been traded in you can't pull it back out it's effectively stuck in there and that's part of the reason that gbtc has been trading at a severe discount to the underlying bitcoin since 2021 um that discount has been as bad as almost 50 percent at times where it's worth half as much as the underlying bitcoin i mean if you could just swap the shares out for bitcoin then it would be trading at par because you know it's i mean same, same idea with like staked ether and ether right mm -hmm. um so grayscale the parent company wants to convert the trust to an etf um it would still you know allow people to gain exposure to bitcoin in a more traditional way but it would also make it possible to redeem the shares for the bitcoin um you know it'd be great for anybody who holds GBTC now because it's trading at this discount, right? Like immediately the value of their Bitcoin would jump whatever percentage that that, that gap is. Um, the, the SEC has said, no, you can't turn this into an ETF. Grayscale sued. Uh, this week, uh, the SEC and Grayscale went to went in front of a three judge panel to argue their case. And really what Grayscale is asking for right now isn't like, hey, judges, can you force the SEC to let us turn uh, the trust into an ETF? It's, hey, judges, can you force the SEC to take back its rejection of our application? Mm -hmm. So if Grayscale succeeds mm -hmm. here, 
um, that rejection is null and void, but the SEC, I mean, the, the ball is back in their court. The SEC would still have to, you know, reconsider uh, Grayscale's application and then decide whether to approve or possibly deny, but it would have to find a different reason than, one, than the one it provided, right? And the reason it provided initially was, well, um, you know, you don't, uh, you don't have enough uh, uh, infrastructure in place to ensure that um, there won't be market manipulation and, and investor protection and what have you. Uh, Grayscale is arguing, but you had just approved a Bitcoin futures ETF that uses the exact same, you know, uh, method that we would use to, to ensure that there's no market manipulation, et cetera. So, you know, why was that good enough in this case, but not in our case? Um, and, and the judges seemed receptive to that argument. I mean, you know, they try not to, to show too strongly, I guess they're leaning one way or another, but, but when the SEC attorney came up to make her case and they had a lot of questions for her. So, Mm. um, you know, all of that was taken to suggest that when they come back with a ruling in a couple months, none of this ever happens promptly, unfortunately, um, that they're going to, as Grayscale hopes, you know, send it back to the SEC. Okay, you've got to, you've got to reconsider their application. Yeah, that's big news. That'll be interesting. Yeah, I, I mean, fourteen so... billion dollars worth of yeah. Bitcoin is locked up in that trust. It's yeah. <laughs> totally. so much. No, people like overloaded their like. I mean, I, I, I at one point put in my some of my IRA into GBTC. You know, so. Yeah. I have a vested interest in this this court case. <laughs> nice. Anyways, <laughs> yeah, I just think it's it's so odd, like the the SEC's um, just refusal to to approve Bitcoin ETFs uh, since yeah. forever. Uh, seeing as you know, there are so many instruments that that are riskier for individual investors and, and retail. Like retail investors can can buy GBTC right now, and the instrument as it's structured right now is a lot uh, riskier for for retail than a regular ETF because of the reasons that Alex was saying. Because it's a trust, you know, the shares of the trust uh, trade at a different price than the underlying assets. So institutional investors are able to come in and buy uh, GBT shares in kind of when in the primary market when they're like first issued and mm-hmm. then they sell them off to to retail at a discount uh, or at a premium um wherever you know th- those shares are trading so that's a much worse instrument for retail than just a straight up bitcoin etf uh so it's just it's mind-blowing same thing with futures like i, I guess like that's because the that's the cftc that regulates futures and so it's not actually the sec who is uh, approving those uh, instruments i understand so it's not but but still like a, a futures instrument is a derivative like it's just a lot riskier than just buying a you know bitcoin at, in the spot market yeah. um it's just i don't know it's it's crazy to me that this is still a fight that that is is happening <laughs> no that's um, a great point I, people were printing money off that gbtc trade or mm-hmm. like the the institutions um and yeah, yeah it, it's funny that 
yeah negating then he did that a first trade. crack at it and the 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 the, the premium for the GBTC shares to, to Bitcoin was as high as like 130% sometimes. That's insane. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're making that like so six much months, money off I think. of it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's like a six month redemption and, and then you can redeem your shares. So I yeah. think that, that trade going from premium to discount is what uh, what screwed over uh, um, three arrows. Three right? arrows. Yeah. Three arrows. Yeah. yeah. I right. think they're making because I remember uh, Suzu on a podcast. He was even saying like after it had gone negative, he said he was like he was like no, I think it's a good bet. It's going to go positive or something, and it yeah. definitely hasn't. So, yeah. Um, yeah so, uh, and then um, let's see uh, what other big stories did we have this week? Uh, we had um, oh well, we were we were at East Denver. Uh, over the weekend, and and so um, Owen was there covering the the main themes of, of the conference, and um, surprisingly, uh, you know, we have this in in the headline. This is the conference of the Wild West, kind of of finance in the Wild West uh, at, at Denver, um, but it looked like there was a lot more. A concern about being compliant and there were you know a, a lot of projects there were focusing their efforts on on how to be uh, uh, compliant and and to to not uh, you know to, to yeah to to um, fall in line with uh, with regulators and especially in the US uh, so Owen do you want to tell us about uh, this story what you saw there yeah, I mean, so at a high level, as we all know, crypto has been the, the land of rebels um, and, and wants to have its own rules. Um, but I, it was something I noticed at the conference was like people kind of a lot of people. We had a booth and a lot of people came up and were um, kind of pitching various projects and and they were kind of they were and they were talking about compliance like it was this great value add, which definitely never heard before. So. I, I just thought it was it was just very interesting that that as a change in tune and given all the regulatory pressure that we saw um, in the past year or so. So I mean that's that's the super high level gist of the story. You know, I I, I met a, a former lawyer who was working on baking in like accredited investor and qualified purchaser, which are both designations of uh, kind of like the ability to participate in certain investments. Like he was working on bringing those on chain as much as possible through Polygon's new ID, which I I think launched either last week or the week before. Um, And then similar people were playing in, in ways of like doing the same for KYC. So you could potentially have this you know, have this accreditation that you were KYC'd, which DApps could use to whitelist users. So um, I I think there's, there's just there, people are playing in that area in a way that it's, it's kind of like a new and almost, this is my opinion, people like push back a little on this on Twitter, but like, I think people are playing in this area where compliance is almost hot although not sexy but hot and so um yeah and i mean we saw also malik dow developing that new 
um, you know, ZK powered crypto mixer, um, which I thought was like great support for the thesis that um, uh, that compliance is, is, is becoming this, you know, important aspect of crypto. And it makes sense. I mean, crypto is at that point where it's like, you know, people are, it's this thrust to put it in the hands of the average consumer. And, you know, that means, you know, we're, we're coming up against, you know, the real, the real world and regulate rules and regulations. So I I just think, um, yeah, that's a trend I saw and I I wrote a story about it. So (laughs) that's what happened. Nice. Um, yeah, I think it's, it's inevitable, you know, like we, we've seen so much regulatory pressure uh, in the past uh, few months and, uh, and last year, uh, while well, we were just talking about what happened with KuCoin. So I think for, for this um, industry to continue growing, uh, it will have to find ways to uh, comply to uh, regulators in, in the US and elsewhere. Uh, I think it's interesting that um, you know there are ways to do it uh, even in DeFi, where you know you you kind of assume that um, that that actually is the wild west, like where you you're just dealing uh, with smart contracts and it's non-custodial and everyone's anonymous and so on. Um, but uh, you know this. Uh, this Moloch DAO uh, mixer uh, is, you know, using the tech to to actually uh, even make DeFi just uh, compliant and be able to whitelist some uh, uh, some some addresses, uh, which, you know, I I think I think it's um, I, again like it will allow crypto to to thrive uh, and. Yeah with kind of less less concern about kind of everyone going to jail which yeah you know it's important yeah yeah i definitely yeah it seems like zk proofs are a huge part of all that where you know i think you're able i think in the Moloch dao solution you're able to prove you're not on a list of sanctioned wallets without uh revealing what your wallet address is so i i, th- I think a lot of the solutions are have to do with that or ways where you can I don't know, kind of selectively reveal information. I mean, yeah, I mean, I guess like KYC, it's like, you, it's kind of a yes, no thing, but maybe there's a way where, I don't know, there's a way to still maintain privacy. I'd have to think about yeah. that a little more. But, yeah, yeah. I, I think I think that's exactly how crypto should be dealing with, with regulations is using uh, the technology to its favor. Like, mm-hmm. um, I think we have the opportunity to uh, comply with, you know, different anti-money laundering laws and so on, uh, using things like CK proofs, you know? Uh, so we don't have to KYC and use kind of the old ways of proving uh, that we're not kind of money, like laundering money. Um, we can actually use the, this tech uh, to do that and maintain kind of a, a trustless uh, way of transacting without having to, to do KYC, but, but at the same time, complying uh, with, with regulations. Um, I, I don't know if, if regulators will be able to see that though. You know, it's like, oh no, like we were using CK proofs to show that I'm not on, on this list. Um, I don't know if that will be enough. I, I hope so, but yeah. 
I think it's 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 a real kind of smart and interesting way of, of dealing with with regulations. I think it's the way forward uh, for DeFi. Yeah, yeah, um, it's gonna be the education effort will be tough just with the yeah. you know explaining zk proofs. I think will be big. Yeah, and then I think uh, we're we're almost at time, but let's let's go over kind of the the other big. Uh, big themes uh, in of the past few days um, we saw a lot of news around wallets uh, with this new eip for ethereum um, and coinbase wallet and this InstaDAP wallet oh and you covered a, a lot of this news uh, do you want to give us kind of the the overview yeah I, I can do a speed run um so basically uh last week uh, at, at WalletCon, which was like an 1,000 person event, which preceded ETH Denver, uh, ERC4337 was released. And at a super high level, that kind of it allows like typical Ethereum addresses called externally owned accounts to be controlled by smart contracts. And so there are a lot of uh, things coming downstream of that, which, um, you know, we saw with the release even this week, but, um, basically it, it allows a much higher degree of programmability around like the account experience. Um, so like things like, you know, so, uh, Instadap announced the ability to pay gas fees in USDC, uh, this week. And, so if anyone whoever who's ever used a wallet, they understand that, you know, people can even get trapped with when they don't have a certain asset and they can get, if they don't have ETH to pay for a transaction on ETH, they can get trapped and not even be able to move. And there could be other um, assets on that wallet and you'll have to like beg your friend to send you ETH or something. So, I mean, the ability to pay potentially in any ERC20 token or have developers abstract that entirely away is is huge as far as uh, making the the wallet experience more practical and my understanding is that like so i think you know you'll have to approve transactions in the same way i believe but i think you can um you know it's like but you but things like 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 how you have to approve uh um you have to like approve Uniswap to have access to a token before you can trade it. That's like two clicks. It takes a while. I think you could combine that into one click thanks to the new upgrade and, and account abstraction. And mm -hmm. I'm still I'm still grappling with a lot of it, but um, I, I and I believe it allows um, potentially your account to just be converted, like the the private aspect can be converted into a username and password. Um, and, and, and they can abstract that away. Also recovering accounts is maybe the biggest one of them all where it's like you can programmatically say like you can tap these three people and they will help you recover your account thanks to this development. Um, I'm still kind of grokking it as you can probably see. But um, yeah, it, it, it does seem like there's a, a Cambrian explosion of wallet experiences that, that that's coming out of this development as, as, um, as, as in addition to a couple others. So I think it's, it's very exciting. And I think the super high level takeaway is that we're going to see wallets with much more seamless experiences for users and maybe much more varied ones very soon. So yeah. I think that's maybe one of the most exciting spaces in crypto right now. 
Absolutely, yeah, I agree. And I'm, I'm not. We we had this news on the on the Uniswap uh, wallet as well yeah. uh, from last week, but um, I don't think this actually is a smart contract wallet, right? It doesn't use these uh, like account abstraction benefits. The the Uniswap wallet. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure if they. I'm, I'm, I'm not, not sure super sure about it. it. Uh, yeah. Coinbase also announced a um, like wallet as a service. Uh, so this is kind of a, a uh, like a whitelisted wallet that different applications can uh, can integrate uh, to their like front ends, um, and I'd, this doesn't use the the, the new uh, kind of account abstraction either. So I mean a lot of news uh, with with wallets. Some are smart contract wallets. Some uh, are not. I think it's. You know, I, I I was speaking with the with someone from Coinbase at uh, East Denver, and he said the reason why they didn't do the account abstraction with this product is because mm. it was just too early, and and they were kind of waiting to see what the where the technology is going uh, on you know with respects to to Ethereum accounts. So mm. that's you know interesting to to see as well. It's like for uh, for some. Uh, all of these changes are, are exciting, but still kind of unproven. Um, so, uh, you know, worth worth noting as well. But, uh, but you know, Instadap did kind of jump uh, to that opportunity right away and, and um, you know, release this product that does use account abstraction. But yeah, I think, like you were saying, Owen, the, the bottom line with this news is that uh, the tech on Ethereum is evolving to allow for a much more user-friendly experience. Uh, you know, I think one of the, the biggest uh, roadblocks for, for adoption is um, how how clunky it is to access crypto in the first place. You know, so like uh, being able to recover your account easily, uh, being able to transact without uh, having to pay in ETH uh, and without having so many like approvals in in the process i think uh, are, are really big steps forward to to making crypto more usable so yeah a really kind of interesting developments there and then um last well we have two two kind of big themes that uh, that we also covered this week is staking and then um, NFTs. So I think you know, um, you know, with, with staking, the, the the main thing that people are are watching is when they they'll be able to withdraw their stake ETH uh, from from Ethereum. And um, and it looks like uh, there's more clarity regarding that. Uh, uh, what? Um, What's the latest on this? Yeah, I think next week you're going to see uh, the last testnet, um, which I believe is pronounced Gold. I don't, I'm not going to try, but you guys, <laughs> hopefully, you guys, but um, that girly. one's going to go girly. Is it girly? All right. Yeah. So that one's that they're going through their Shanghai, which is what the upgrade, which enables Ethereum withdrawals. So they're going through that process next week and that is the final test net to go through the process before ethereum itself goes through the same mm -hmm. enabling withdrawal process right um yeah so you know it, it, that's what 
all of stake all of the stakers in Ethereum will be will be watching. It's been a, a, a long time since uh, they've you know they've been waiting for this. Um, and then uh, there's yeah, there's just more kind of liquid uh, staking uh, vehicles uh, yeah. related to this. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's just interesting, like that you can maybe hold different LSDs and they will represent, like you can maybe direct some of that underlying yield to various things you like believe in. It's almost it's like a form of expressing your values through like which liquid staking derivative you hold, which mm -hmm. I think is interesting. I think we'll see that with stable coins too soon. So, um, and then yeah, related to this uh, rocket pool, which is uh, one of the um, uh, the like staking as a service liquid staking protocols um, also had news this week um, and the idea is that they will make staking um, easier is that right with uh... sorry I to unmute myself yeah oh. um, it, like if you want to run your own uh, node and validator right like if you want to to be part of the you know real decentralization of ethereum um be one of the people that's helping to approve transactions and add blocks to, to the ethereum blockchain um the the financial bar for doing that is like way way high you know no normal person can just put up 32 eth that's like what like fifty thousand dollars of money um so rocket pool like what rocket pool does is it makes it a lot easier to do that right now uh you can put up 16 eth instead and rocket pool will put up the other 16 and then you can run a node um and so with this upgrade they're set to have that again so you put up eight eth rocket pool puts up the other 24 and you can run a node so it's slowly trying to lower the barrier to get into staking um yeah, so the the idea with um, with changing to proof of stake was increasing the level of decentralization for for Ethereum uh, by making it less uh, capital intensive to 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 run a node. Like with proof of work, you have to have like all this infrastructure. With proof of stake, you just need capital. You know, just need ETH uh, staked. Did I tell you when I was uh, I was in Miami recently? And my last night that I was there, uh, I stayed with a friend at his Airbnb and the owner came back that night. He's a real nice guy. And he's like, he was on a trip actually to New York. We swapped places and he gets back from New York and he's unloading his car and bringing all these boxes into his apartment. And I'm like, what's that? And he's like, oh, these are like, you know, mining machines. I was mining ether. <laughs> and I was like, oh. Wow business isn't going so well anymore huh he's like nah the merge <laughs> environment <laughs> uh. <laughs> <Amazing>. <laughs> wow um well he could sell those uh those that equipment and buy just eth instead and you know become a validator or, or pivot to, I, pivot to Ethereum Classic. Ah, right, right. <laughs> I, no, he, he was like, ah, Ethereum Classic, it's crap. <laughs> I, I asked him about that. 
uh, yeah, no, I've got his number. I'll I'll, I'll text him and you know why don't we'll you see just how start taking? Going. Yeah. All right. <laughs> okay, and then last story uh, of, of the week um, is um, you know uh, what's what's happening with with NFTs. Uh, still, you know, still going pretty strong, uh, and we, we we continue to see big names making announcements, which you know you would think that would die down uh, in a bear market, but here we have Amazon, which interesting. Yeah. Um, launching a marketplace. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> something that uh, that anonymous uh, punk six five two nine said was like. Most of NFTs are going to be something like a coupon. And that's always stuck with me. Like they're going to be little silly things that you use at Safeway to like get cheap yogurt or whatever. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm always so skeptical when these like, you know, big, big names uh, release NFT news. Like, I don't, I don't know if they, they actually will come to something. You don't like yogurt? <laughs> come on, come on, Cammy. We gotta get some deals. I get some deals at the supermarket. Do Do you need an NFT for that? <laughs> no. I don't know. If it's we'll going see. to get me access to not not fat yogurt, which is all <laughs> Trader Joe's only sells non fat Greek yogurt in the big tubs and the. Dude, I, I know that's that pain. No, I know that pain. I know that pain. Yeah. <laughs> I'll get an NFT to fix that. <laughs> all right um okay i think that's that's a wrap for this week and a lot going on um yeah like biggest news uh eth uh being a security to the nyag uh trouble at tradfi uh, with silvergate and silicon valley bank and dragging all of the banking industry down uh, which spells trouble for crypto companies banking with those uh, smaller kind of techy tech focused banks. Um, so yeah, hopefully everyone in crypto was able to get their cash out uh, in time um, and find a new banking partner. Um, all right, so uh, that was it for this week and we'll see you all next week. Thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, thanks a lot guys.